0: Okay, parents, you have likely found yourself in this situation or you have thought about how you will handle the situation. Trying to broach the subject of death with your little ones. How do you even do that? I, this is not a conversation that anyone uh, really looks forward to, but do we have some guidelines that we can maybe follow to have this conversation about something that is really a natural part of living? We're going to get into it right now with our guest, who is the author of the book, Let It Destroy You. Her name is Harriet Alita Lai, and she wrote an amazing article for the theglobeandmail.com talking about how to broach this subject with her kids. Harriet, thank you so much for joining the show. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me, Chelsea. So uh, tell me a little bit about the inspiration for the article that you wrote for the Globe and Mail. Why did you want to to speak about this subject? Why did you want to dive into this and, and make this a public conversation? Uh-
1: I couldn't believe how much I was thinking about this conversation that I'd had with my son. It was just occupying so much of my mental space. So he started, he was obsessed with dinosaurs from a really young age. And he would, we would go to the, we live in Toronto and we would go to the ROM and look at all the dinosaur skeletons. And he knew that he had a skeleton. And I could see like over the course of many months that he was gradually getting closer to the idea of connecting those things. And I always tried to shield him from the subject because, of course, like it's a scary thing. It's a sad thing. I never wanted to be like, yes, the dinosaurs are dead. You will one day die. Like I didn't want to make that connection for him. And I then he made the connection before I was expecting it would happen. So he wasn't even three years old yet. And It was like we were getting ready for bed one night and he just brought it up uh kind of out of the blue we hadn't been doing anything particularly relevant that day and he said "Do people like mommy do people grow forever and i said no people don't grow forever they become grown-ups and then they stop growing but i could see in his face that that wasn't really the answer to the question that he wanted so Mm. he clarified i mean do people last forever and yeah, so heavy. And I had been avoiding talking about this, but in that moment, of course, I knew I had to tell him the truth. And I just said, no, people don't last forever. And he was so distraught. He was, he thought that I must have misunderstood him. He was like, no, mommy. I said, do people last forever? Like I was, I had missed it. And I said, no, they don't. And it's, it's really sad that they don't. And his, his face was just like unforgettable. Like this was four and a half now. So it was, almost two years ago that we had this conversation and I still think about it. And I, uh, yeah, with my new novel coming out, my publicist was like, you should write something so that we can get your name out there. And I was like, I don't want to write anything salesy. So I just wrote this thing that I was thinking about that felt very true to me. And I had the opportunity to interview a social worker and a death doula who gave me really good advice and feedback as well. Um, yeah, and I, but it just seemed like the most real conversation I could
0: have. I, I want to get into what um, what they suggested as a way to sort of navigate this because I think every parent listening to you say that is just going, oh my God, cringe. That Even that question too, yeah. do people last forever? Uh, so it's such bad. a hard one <laughs> to get into. Yeah. Harriet, I mean, I'm excited for your new book because you're an incredible writer. The article that you wrote for Thank the Globe and Mail, uh, it's just, it's so, it, you, you just, you can't take your eyes off of the piece because you, you write the way that, it, it appears that you're thinking and it really just it flows so naturally and I think this story is one that so many parents can relate to and I think you're touching on a few different things without even meaning to you know the idea of mom guilt and ruminating over this conversation yeah. for two for two years after it took place so totally. what did you what did you find in your research when you started talking to social workers and, and death doulas uh, maybe that's even a new concept for people if they're not familiar with it in terms of how to navigate mm-hmm. this with kids.
1: Well, some really practical... So I heard about this social worker called Miranda Featherstone because I read Emily Oster's newsletter called Parent Data, and she interviewed, or she got Miranda Featherstone to write a piece. It was sort of like an interview, and then Miranda wrote a piece about how to do this because her own mother had died, and she helps children deal with this in her work every day. And some really practical feedback that I quoted in my piece was that it's, like, unlike what I had done, which was always trying to be like, oh, the fr- the, it's a, like, squished worm, or the flowers are going to come back next year. Like, I would never talk about death. Mm. Um, she said that it's really good to just bring it up naturally when it comes up like oh yeah like that's a dead worm or that's a dead bird we don't want to touch it um you just as we say like this quote that she said like we tell our children about the moon even though we don't live there like we draw their attention to it and say oh look at that that's interesting so she suggests doing a similar thing with death like oh this is what's happening like let's move on and just to sort of model the behavior that it happens in life and it's not something that we need to dwell on. So I thought yeah,
0: that was really helpful. I, I think that's a great tip because I think probably most people have this really rosy idea that, you know, it will it will come up naturally when the child is at a reasonable age where you can explain logically to them that people don't live forever. But every family is different, every circumstance is different. And I mean in your case, your three year old brought it up on his own because he was thinking about that big question. So so that's sort of the way to navigate navigate it is to just make it part of part of life, part of regular conversation. Don't make it this big yeah. unapproachable thing.
1: Yeah. Don't make it a big unapproachable thing. And like it can be this huge, vast, abstract, it feels cruel to explain. Like, mm. it, I felt cruel telling him, like, no, you won't last forever. And he was, like, he was heartbroken and it was just like, will you make sure that you and me do? Um, mm. It was so sweet. And another thought thing when I, so the death doula um, is kind of a new concept. Maybe people are more familiar with the idea of a birth doula, which is somebody who, when you're giving birth, they help, they're there with you in the hospital. They're not going to be the main person working with you, but they're helping advocate for your wishes and your desires. And they're communicating to the healthcare team for you if you are unable to do so in the moment. And so a death doula is a similar role, but at the end of life. And so my friend is a death doula and I was talking with her about ways to talk about death with children. And I asked her, she said that she works with children at the end of their lives. And just hearing that like broke my heart a little bit even though, of course, I know that this happens. It's something that it feels so sad to think about. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, you know, is it possible to have a, because one of the goals of the death doula is to provide the best possible death for a person. And I said, you know, if you're working with children, like, can you even say that they can have a best possible death? Like, isn't there something just inherently tragic about the fact that they're going, that they're dying so young. And she said that, in this world that we live in where we measure our value by what we produce and what we like our productivity in general we, we make the mistake of doing that with life as well and that we seem to think of a good life as being the most of something the longest like done the most things accomplished the most goals travel the most places and yet that, that's such a false way of looking at it and something in me like really unlocked when she said that I think that it, I, I it really resonated with me and we don't like she said just to be alive is enough you know and she tries to help her patients um, or the her clients up Accept that when she's working with them. And I thought that that was really beautiful and something that we could all relate to as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that those are some really valuable tips to try to navigate that road. Still, probably not a conversation that many parents are looking forward to, but that is definitely helpful. Sorry to interrupt, but one is it doesn't have to be one conversation. I Hmm. think that's something I took
1: away too. Like, it doesn't have to be like sit down and have the sex talk. It can just be something that
0: you mention along the way and you're just. Hmm. Building a framework that that might seem more approachable. Just an ongoing idea. I'm so curious, Chad Nation, how you approached it with your kids. Uh, I would love to to hear what your story was of, of how you feel that you did it successfully. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Harriet, you mentioned that you wrote the article for the Globe and Mail uh, to to try to uh, encourage people to uh, to read your new book, let it destroy you, which does does touched a little bit on morality. Can you talk a little bit about that project? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so um, Let It Destroy You is inspired by the man who invented the nuclear bomb and nuclear, he wanted, he didn't want to invent the nuclear bomb, he wanted to invent nuclear energy and have it be something that would save the world. Even in the 30s, when he was working on this, he thought it would save the world from coal, which he knew was creating carbon warming, and he um also later in his life invented the radiation machine to cure himself of bladder cancer and this is still the radiation machine that we use today and the more i read about this man the more like fascinated i was in every aspect of his life and because i have a um a history of cancer. I had a really rare and fa- like previously fatal form of cancer. Like, there's no known survivors of this cancer other than me. It's called Natural Killer, which is a oh. pretty heavy name. Um, I was interested in my because of my own experience with that and my experience as a mother but also to kind of take these really big themes and crystallize them into something that might be more tangible for me to approach and for readers to approach. I gave him and his wife a child and they never had a child in real life. Um, So I took these facts and I made them fiction. And in my story, the girl that they, the daughter that um, August and June have uh, gets diagnosed with bone cancer and uh, he, her father, invents this machine to cure his daughter of cancer. Wow. Uh, so I changed it, and there's a similar conversation in the book where the lab technician when they're going to use this new machine on his daughter says like well we can't use this machine on her because it will kill her and that's what the technician said to the man leo Szilard, the hungarian jewish physicist um and then leo Szilard said well you we have to because if this machine doesn't kill me then the cancer will and so i sort of put that conversation in with his daughter and he does cure his daughter of cancer but his relationship with his wife and his relationship with his daughter, like it's sort of a breakup novel um, as well as being like a savior life novel. (laughs)
0: Harriet, (laughs) you are not afraid to go to those really big and uh, heavy, maybe unapproachable places that other people might want to steer away from, whether it's the article in the Globe uh, or it's your novel. Thank you so much for making the time this afternoon. Really appreciate it and good luck. Thanks so much for having me, Chelsea. It was great to chat with you. Yeah, you too. Take care. Uh, Okay, her book is called Let It Destroy You. Author is Harriet Alita Lai, if you want to check that one out.